0: Due to unforeseen circumstances, Kalila is unable to host today's program. But don't worry, we still have an awesome show lined up for you. Here's a playback of Kalila sharing how she built her wealth at the Rotary Club in Mandeville. And the analysts will delve into some hot topics including a potential NCB-dividend-filled Christmas. Hmm. market developments vm investments third quarter results ending september 30 are out how did they perform ncb financial group is scheduled to meet on november 17 and the payment of a dividend will be recommended for consideration we'll discuss but first here's what's hot brought to you by jmb group your best interest at heart NCB Financial Group Chairman Michael Leachin says shareholders will get a dividend payment in time for Christmas. Leachin made the declaration to the Jamaica Observer following news that the company's board is scheduled to vote on the matter this week. According to a statement from NCB, the Board of Directors will vote on a recommendation for a dividend payment on Friday. NCBFG has not paid dividends in over two years. The company, which has a banking, insurance, and investment arm, has over 44,000 shareholders. Supreme Ventures is expanding its financial service arm of the business by entering the remittance market. The company, through its subsidiary Supreme Ventures Fintech, recently received a primary agent license from the Bank of Jamaica to operate as a remittance agency. Supreme Ventures is partnering with Lasco Financial's RIA Money Transfer to form the Evolve Money Transfer brand. According to SVL, the company is targeting rapid growth in the space. SVL has over 1,300 retail agent locations across the island for its betting and gaming business. However, remittance agents would have to be certified by the Bank of Jamaica. Victoria Mutual Building Society says it has closed all its ABMs not located inside a VM branch. VMBS said the move, which went into effect last Friday, was triggered by an increase in attempts to steal or vandalize its ABM network. The company said customers will be able to use VMBS ABMs located in branch during normal business hours. Outside of business hours, customers can access their funds at over 800 non-VMBS ABMs on the multilink network. The company said that it will be waiving fees for these transactions. The Chinese economy recorded its first period of negative foreign direct investment in decades. Foreign direct investment for China in the second quarter of the year came in at roughly 5 billion US dollars, an 87% decrease and the largest drop since 1998. Economists say that the data is another sign that Beijing's economy is recovering slower than expected after the pandemic. They said that conducting business in China, which is the world's second largest economy, is becoming increasingly difficult, and the country's economy is unquestionably in rough shape. The Actors' Union in the United States has approved a deal that will end the longest actor's strike against the film and TV studios in Hollywood history. The 118-day strike officially ended last Thursday and will see actors having protections against artificial intelligence and a historic pay increase. The four-month-long strike is estimated to have cost the U.S. economy roughly $6 billion. What's Hot was brought to you by JMMB Group, your best interests at heart.
1: Learn strategies to create amazing content that will stop people from scrolling and actually pay attention to you. Build a loyal audience excited to share your content and make it go viral. Make money on social media and run your platform like a business. Join me live inside Money Missions for this game-changing course, Money Marketing. And remember, go to the link in my bio and tap Money Marketing for 40% off. Let's get this money.
0: This segment of Taking Stock is brought to you by Bulwark Insurance Agency, insurance made easy.
1: Well, good evening Rotaractors and Rotarian Honorary, it's my pleasure to be here with you today. Anybody know, have ever heard about me before this evening? Y'all follow me on social media? You do? Well then you have to say, you have to give me a proper introduction then. You can't sit on there and not say let's get this money. Let all right one two three. I have to do the, the hand signal too. One two three. Let's, Let's get, get this money. <laughs> How many of you are students? Any students? The rest of you are you? Um, you working or looking for work or what's what's this? What's the situation right now? Most of you are working. All right, and you're fairly young, so you're in your first or maybe second job, right? How's it going? <laughs> I hear a chuckle, huh? Yes, trust me. I know how it is, been there, done that, right? So when I was in high school, I had this dream of becoming a journalist. Originally, I wanted to be the great Caribbean novelist. I wanted to be the next VS Nepal, or the next Holly Edg- um, Z. Ejel Bekalam, or Sam Selvon, and just write beautiful stories for people to enjoy. And then somewhere along that line, somebody told me, who's going to pay you to do that? (laughs) You're not ever going to make any money doing that. But I also, because my father was and still is uh, not a political activist, a union activist, a trade union activist, I also grew up having a sincere interest in current affairs and human rights and social justice. And so I said, well, how can I merge this love of writing with social justice? What can I do that can make a difference in the world? Because I, was, I grew up thinking, you know, money's the root of all evil, and you shouldn't just work for money and do something that you love, and you'll never work a day in your life, and all that good stuff, right? Sound familiar to anybody? Yes. So I came up with journalism. I get to get paid to write, which I love doing, and also pursue uh, the human interest side, human justice, social justice. And I quite enjoyed that job. I still do. I'm still a journalist to this day, just a different type of journalist. So some of you, maybe you're too young. Or maybe you were younger when you saw the remember Tivoli incursion? I reported on that. I was down there dodging bullets (laughs) at Tivoli Gardens on Spanish Town Road. Anybody remember the the duppy story in Spanish Town? But the guy, the little boy who was on the chair and the Dope pulled his leg? That was my story. (laughs) So I've done all kinds of stories throughout my career. I've interviewed prime ministers and presidents and reported on elections, uh, hurricanes, numerous. I don't think I've ever reported on an earthquake, but I would have if I was still doing that kind of reporting. And I really, really enjoyed my career. Before I went out on my own, I was on Nationwide News Network, Cliff Hughes. I was host of Nationwide this morning for six years. Really, really enjoyed my job. Got awards for it from the Press Association of Jamaica and was on TV and on radio. Glamorous job, right? Right? But would you believe that when I was on TV, I still had to take the bus home? I still had to walk on the road at 9 o'clock at night after the news is finished and catch JUTC bus and go home with my full face of glamorous makeup. And people would stop on the road and beg me, miss begging some money for um, bus fare. And i am like, you're not seeing me taking bus right? <laughs> like, me and you are in the same position right now. So I was a professional success, but a financial failure. And it is a big, big challenge in Jamaica and many other places as well. People are, you know, you're doing fairly well, but you're underpaid, you're underappreciated. Anybody can relate to that right now, Sammy? So, so yeah. It is a huge challenge, even as you get older. So you do make some improvements. You get promotions. But you know the struggle is real. You have bills to pay. The more you move up in life, the more expenses you also have, because then you want to buy a car. Tired to catch bus. You tired to walk in Sun Hut, And then you want to buy a house. And you have to save up for that deposit. And then you got to have children. And I had children early. I had my first child when I was 19. I was a single mom for several years till I met my now husband. The best husband in the world, by the way. (laughs) And kids are expensive. Anybody here have kids? They're expensive, though. Expensive. At one time, my daughter, who's now 20, I remember when she was in prep school. And school starts September. And she came home one day, October morning, with her shoes bust up, I'm like one month into the school year. School, how? Were you kicking rocks at school? Like what happened? And now I have to go find money to buy brand new school shoes one month into the school year. So it is rough out there, unless you are prepared. And the thing about me is, because I grew up hearing all these things, I grew up hearing uh, to be successful in life, study your book. That was my dad's mantra. Study a book, study hard. And then study a book, do well in school. Once you do well in school and get good grades, get a good job. Once you get a good job, you work hard in that job. So you keep that job, you get promoted, and then you save your money, right? Sounds familiar? And you will be successful in life. I did that. Anybody, any of you doing that right now? And would you consider yourself successful? Not yet. You can't, you're getting there, you're getting there. It's hard to save. When people tell you, you must save your money, but then all your expenses are taking you to the brink, to the last dollar, it's like, save what? Where should I get it to save? You're telling me to do this and do that with my money, but the money just isn't enough. And so for the first 35 years of my life, I should say, the first 15 years of my adult life from like 20 to 35, I, that's what I knew. And that's what I lived by, trying to make it meet, trying to, you know, make things meet for myself and my child. Around that time I'd already I just got married as well. And it was what it was until I started moving into the finance, financial journalism world. And I started seeing how these money people move. I'm like, "But well, hold on. If they're making all this money, and I'm here just reporting about them making all this money, why don't I just do what they do and also make some money? Why am I only telling their stories? Why can't I be a part of the story? And around that time is when Jamaica started performing exceptionally well on the global stock exchange. I should say on the global markets. The Jamaica Stock Exchange was the number one performing in the world in 2015 and 2018. And you were getting, people were making money over money over money. One stock, for example, Barita, I think it was 2018, gave average returns of 900 and something percent. I want to, nobody gasped. So maybe you don't understand what 900% return mean. That means if you invested $10,000 in January, at the end of the year, that money was almost $100,000. Without you having to do anything, nothing at all. That's completely passive income. And on top of that, you also earn dividends. And so I started seeing these stories. I'm reporting on these stories. I'm like, hold on, no, I need to start doing this myself. This is this is not just for the wealthy, because on the Jamaica Stock Exchange, you can get started with as little as a thousand Jamaican dollars. At some brokers, some uh, firms, my rot- rotary friend over here at JMB, what's their minimum? I think it's ten thousand. Ten thousand Jamaican dollars. You can. Oh. But you have to open the account first. So at minimum $10,000. And you can then, after that, buy one stock. And most of the stocks on the Jamaica Stock Exchange cost less than 100 Jamaican dollars. So a lot of people have this misconception that investing is for the wealthy, for rich people. But I say to you, investing is not only for the wealthy. Investing is how you become wealthy. And that is one of the keys to wealth creation. So along this journey, I started feeling like, hold on no, I'm starting to figure out life because I didn't notice. I thought you'd just save your money. But it is almost impossible to save your way to wealth, especially when you don't have much savings to begin with, when your expenses are pretty much all your, everything that you earn and then some. So first key, Wealth creation, investing. Ah, see some people writing down. Okay, good, 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 good. Take notes. First key to wealth creation is investing. investing. Second key to wealth creation now, entrepreneurship. And guess what? A lot of people, and I was one included up until the age of about 35, 36. I was one of those people who believed that your income is limited to what somebody pays you. Well, you get your salary, you get your pay, that's what you have to work with. And I never stopped to think outside the box that there are other ways that I could actually earn money. You're not limited to your income. You can start a side hustle. You can start investing and earn dividends. You can do so many different things. You can go on Fiverr now, Upwork, and get um, paid as a freelancer. You can, do, you can start a business. You can invest in a business. You can, Start a business and get somebody else to run it so that you don't have to do all the physical work um, all the time. But there are so many different ways that you can earn income in addition to your job. So I'm not saying go out and quit your job, because I started my business when I was still working at 9 to 5, or in my case, 5 to 1, because I was on morning radio. It had to be there at 5 AM. Shift ended at 1 o'clock, which gave me all afternoon to work on my side hustle, fortunately. But then I also had a baby, so (laughs) technically it did not give me all afternoon because I have the baby to deal with as well. But when you are motivated, you find a way. When you have goals and aspirations and dreams, you find a way and you deliver that time. So the thing about entrepreneurship is it will take a lot of your time immediately and in the long run, because it may take years before that business starts paying dividends or starts doing well enough to really pay you consistently. So it will take a lot of time, but it is a very, very amazing key to wealth creation if you can own businesses. Just this week, this week, yeah, this week I was talking to Michael Leachan. Anybody know Michael Leachan? What you know him for? NCB billionaire, US dollars billionaire, not just Jamaican dollars. And he was telling us, because he was on one of my shows called I'm doing a feature with him called Ask Mike, and he was telling the group that his keys to wealth creation include uh, buying businesses, knowing them extremely well, knowing the industries extremely well. So don't just go buy anything that you don't know nothing about. You have to know them extremely well, or at least come to know them. Holding them for the long term and using other people's money to invest in these businesses, meaning borrowing. We're going to come to that as well. Talking about debt. Anybody scared of debt? Anybody have debt, like credit card debt? Yeah, yeah, or other kind of debt. Yeah, it's it's rough out there. That's another thing. So yes, entrepreneurship is the second key to wealth creation, and then the third key is real estate. So owning property and when I say real estate I don't just mean your own home that you live in but also real estate for an investment purpose so you can there's so many ways to make money in real estate you can flip anybody heard about flipping houses yeah. so you can buy a rundown property <laughs> renovate it, fix it up, and then sell it again for a profit for more than you paid for it. You can do Airbnb, so short-term rentals. You can do long-term rentals and collect the rent every month. You can, do, you can buy and hold and sell years down the road when the value of the property goes up. You can do commercial rentals. You can have a space like this, chop it up into units, and rent space to business people. So there are so many ways to make money through real estate investing as well. And throughout history, real estate has been one of the most profitable and consistent ways of generating wealth. From slavery days, Godong, what you always hear about the wealthy landowners. Landowners were the people back in the day who could vote. You couldn't even vote if you didn't own land. That is because it was a measure of wealth, and it still is today. The challenge with real estate investing is. It takes a lot of money up front. So entrepreneurship will take a lot of time. Real estate will take a lot of money. The reason I like stock market investing as a place to begin your journey towards wealth creation is that it doesn't take a lot of time and it doesn't take a lot of money. Like we just discussed, you can start with as little as, 10,000 Jamaican dollars, not even that. Some places is even less. Some, at some firms, you can open your account with no money and just put money in later on. And like I said, the average price of the stocks, less than 100 Jamaican dollars. So it doesn't take a lot of time necessarily unless you want to dedicate a lot of time to it and it doesn't take a lot of money. And then the great thing is you can progress along this chain which is exactly what I've been doing over the past five years so I started out as an as a stock market investor as I started making money from that I used that to invest into my first business which is what I'm doing today Khalila Reynolds media soon to be known as money media I so we have Orain in there who works for us we have Izzy here who works for us as well and we have other people back in Kingston we have equipment as a mech money reinvested into the business right so moving from earning funds earning money from stock market investing then investing into my own business and then the most recent chapter now is purchasing our first property which my husband and I very very recently did we bought a house in Ingleside which is going to rich people here at all yes yes living with the doctors and the lawyers and the... who else live there politicians i don't know <laughs> And the big wigs, and the Rotarians, oh, the Rotaractors. I mean, the Rotarians, the Rotarians. And and the president of Rotaract.
2: And the president of (laughs) Rotaract?
1: (laughs) So, Ingleside, live, boss? Yes. Right, so you move along the chain uh, and you have various elements of wealth creation, but we got to talk about debt. So I mentioned debt before, Michael Leachin saying you want to use other people's money. But how many people are scared of debt? And you hear that debt is bad, and you mustn't borrow, you mustn't owe people money, and just all these never-ending. And how many people have had bad experiences with debt? I'm raising my hand because I had bad experiences with debt. For me, it was credit card. Because let me tell you a story. I bought my first car. This was in 2012. Bought my first car. And when I bought this car, the loan officer said, let me give you a credit card. Because when you own a car, you always have all kind of random expenses. You're going to need gas. You're going to need insurance. I didn't even think about insurance. Insurance, fitness. Um, What's the next one? Insurance, fitness, license, registration. You have all of these additional expenses. I had like exact money to just buy the car. I didn't money for the insurance <laughs> I the registration. So the credit card came in handy, and thus began a very, very slippery slope with debt, with credit card debt. Not only that, I got my shiny new credit card, and guess what I did? I walked across the street to Style Savvy Boutique. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, "Ooh, this is nice. Give me that, 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 and that, and that. And I went shopping. Swipe Swipe it. And then when school fee time came, guess what I did? Swipe it. it. And normally, before I had the credit card, what I would do is I would save up for the school fee. Because it was was like $75,000 a term. At the time, at prep school in Kingston, expensive. So I would save up like $25,000 a month, and just put that aside for the school fee. Mm-hmm. Well, I was like, well, no, I don't have to pay that all at once. Um, swipe it. And very soon, my credit card was maxed out. And I had, uh, like, but the bank says that you just have to pay the minimum payment, right? Just pay the minimum payment. And if your credit card is $100,000, your balance is $100,000, the bank might say, just pay, how much is the interest? Just pay $2,000, just just give me $3,000, you're a good man. (laughs) What I didn't realize is that the interest rate on that credit card was, anybody can guess what the average credit card interest rate in Jamaica is? That's not even a guess, you already know. (laughs) It's about 49, 50%. Those interest rates are very, very high. And so when you are paying the minimum balance, and guess what they do? They're, They're very, very sneaky with it, right? So you have your principal repayment on your loan, and you have the interest portion of your loan. They don't separate it. So you don't realize that the majority of your 3,000 minimum payment, if not all in many cases, is only going towards the interest. And you never repay that principal. So you owe the 100,000 forever. And it keeps going up because the 3,000 is actually less than the interest that you accrued. So the interest you would have accrued on that 100,000 i'm just using numbers loosely here but let's say the interest you would have accrued on the hundred thousand was four thousand but they're telling you just give me three thousand which means that you still owe the full hundred thousand and you still owe them an extra thousand on interest so you never pay off that principal balance and your balance actually keeps going up so even though you paid them three thousand dollars that doesn't mean that next month you owe them $97,0. Next month, you owe them 101000 <laughs> because you've never paid anything towards your principal, and the interest keeps going up. And this happens over and over and over until I finally figured out this don't make no sense and started trying to find a way to do something about it. Now, most recently, I have created a community, and you heard it in the bio that I wrote. <laughs> it's called Money Mission. And I realized that we needed a community of like-minded individuals, people who all want to create wealth. And I feel like that's everybody. Everybody wants to create wealth. Everybody wants to learn more about money. But I don't know everything. Even as much as I've learned over the past five years, there's a lot that I don't know. And there's a lot that I don't know that I don't know. And that is the biggest part of ignorance, when you don't even know that you don't know this information. Because for the first 35 of my 35 years of my life, I didn't even know that I didn't know. I didn't even know that I needed to go seek this information. All I thought I knew was work hard, get a good job, save money, buy a house. And that never added up in the equation for me until I started studying this stuff. And so I created money mission for people to come together and share ideas and resources to create wealth and prosperous businesses. One of our courses is called Debt Do-Over, or Done With Debt. I think it's Done With Debt. And we talk about, you know, this whole debt issue, how you can get out of debt, and not only that, but how you can use debt the right way. So I spoke about Michael Lee Chin saying, use other people's money. Because what I came to realize is that debt is not inherently evil. You just have to know how to use debt the right way. I've come to really love credit cards. I hated my credit card at that time. I've come to really love credit cards because it can serve as an interest-free loan for a period of, let's say, three, four weeks until you pay it off at the end of the month. I've come to love using other people's money because it gives you cash flow for other things. So you might end up paying more in the long run, yes, but it frees up your cash now to do things like investing, which is what Lee Chin did. Do you know the story of how Michael Lee Chin made his first million dollars? You guys need to watch my interview with him. So he was, I think it's an insurance advisor in Canada. And he actually borrowed 500000 Canadian dollars to invest in a firm called McKinsey. And four years later, that $500,000 Canadian dollars was worth, I think it's like $8 million, all because of other people's money. He did not have the money to do that. No, Mia, you might not be able to go to the bank and borrow $500,000 US dollars or Canadian dollars. Him, may leech He was also making a lot of money at the time from his day job. But you can use the proceeds. I think one of the important lessons from that is that you can use the proceeds of your day job to fund your other wealth creation activities. So you can use your salary to invest in your business and to invest in stock market investing, bonds, and other financial instruments. I have another course called Investing for Beginners and one coming up on Monday called Money Marketing, which is all about how to make money on social media which everybody's trying to do right not right now, right? Everybody wants to be an influencer, but do you really want to do it just for the clout? Or do you want to do it to make money? I can teach you how to do it to make money. <laughs> so talk to me after this, I'll hook you up, all right? <laughs> but yeah, so let's recap. What are the three keys to wealth creation? Number one, investing. investing. Number two, entrepreneurship. Number three, real estate awesome and is that good or bad good, depends on how you use it right that can be a very good financial tool in your wealth creation toolbox right so you can use it however you want to use it so does that help yes, yes. yes no maybe so yes. you're not sure what is what are you still struggling with right now
3: I think for young people, it's kind of hard because inflation,
1: cost of living.
3: Because you make budget, you like that okay, this is gonna be what you invest or save, and this is your fund money and it's whatever But then, Like three months down the road, your whole budget gets thrown off because when you go to supermarket, it's like two times the price.
1: Absolutely.
3: January. So I think like that's even one thing that's kind of hard.
1: That is a big, big challenge. So, you guys know what inflation is cost of living gone up, right? Increasing the cost of goods and services. Last year, something cost $100. Patty, perfect example. How much for Patty now? I don't even look, I don't even ask no more. I was getting my card. <laughs> Close my eye, because $300? Yeah. $300 and something? Oh, my goodness. Mm mm. Mm mm. 330 for one cheese patty, and that's no drinks, no drinks, <laughs> no nuts no <laughs> coca bread, no nothing. Three. Ter- last time I, okay to not it. even the crumbs. <laughs> the last time I can remember, like what patty cost, it was hundred and something. Like back when I was budgeting, back when I was budgeting to the penny, it was I had to have exact money, like for taxi fare, for I know I can have one party today, you know, and a drinks if I get a fresh box juice, but I could also get a bag juice on the road for like 20 dollars, and that will do the trick, you know <laughs> them kind of way, the struggle is real. And so one of the things that we talk about inflation, you have to find strategies in today's environment to beat inflation, and that is why saving your money is just not enough, because a100 dollars last year. Can't buy the same thing this year. What $100 could buy last year, 10 years ago, it could buy a patty. No, it can't. Last year, $200 could buy a $250, maybe could buy a patty. And no, it can't. Now it raised to three change, three something. So, if you want to beat inflation, you have to use different strategies to make sure that your money grows. So, this year right now, inflation is about, I think, seven percent six point something percent. Last year it was 10%. So 6% inflation means that if $100, $100 last year, something that cost $100 last year cost $106 this year. That's what 6% inflation means. You need to find strategies to make your money worth more, to make your $100 worth more than $106 this year. And if you're simply saving it, whether under your mattress or at the bank, it is not going to be worth $106 a year. It's actually gonna be worth less. If you're saving it at a bank, it's not even gonna be worth $100. Because guess what? The bank is gonna take out their fees. <laughs> and every time you swipe your card, it's a fee. And every time you go to the ATM, it's a fee. And so the $100 in the bank is not even worth $100 anymore this year. So you need to find strategies to make your $100 worth more than 106 this year in order to beat inflation. And investing, entrepreneurship, and real estate can help you get there. Start with the baby steps. Start with the cheapest and the easiest, which is stock market investing. It's not doing so great this year, I'm going to admit. You're probably going to lose some money this year. But investing is best for the long term.
0: This segment of Taking Stock was brought to you by Bulwark Insurance Agency, insurance made easy.
1: Hey money makers, join the KRM fam with our official merch. Get it now at KhalilahReynolds.com. Let's get this money.
0: The JC combined index was up 1,500 points last week or half a percent. 123 stocks traded across the main and junior markets for the week ending friday november 10 2023 45 made gains 66 lost value and 12 stayed the same 71 million shares changed hands on the jamaican dollar market batted at 568 million dollars Trans-Jamaican Highway was last week's most traded stock. It took up 18% of market volume with 12 million shares trading. The stock gained 2 cents to open the new week at $2.61. Wigton traded the second highest. The stock lost 3 cents to open this week at 70 cents. And Carreras rounded out last week's most traded with 7 million shares changing hands. The stock gained 3 cents to open Monday at $8.15. Now let's see who are the biggest gains for the week. JSC newcomer AS Brydens was the market's biggest gainer. The stock was up 31% to open Monday at $29.55. Berger Paints had the second-biggest gain last week. The stock was up 15% to close the week at $7.41. And MPC Caribbean Clean Energy was up 15% to open the new week at $93. On the losing side now, Cygnus Real Estate Finance USD was the week's biggest loser. The stock lost $0.03 to open Monday at $0.07. Cents US. Epley Caribbean Property Fund was the week's second-biggest loser, opening the new week at $33.50. And Margaritaville-Turk's USD lost 14% to close the week at $0.11 U.S. Over on the Trinidad and Tobago Stock Exchange, the Composite Index was up 1% last week. National Flower Mills was the most traded stock. The stock gained $0.10 to open this week at $1.63 TT. Grace Kennedy was the biggest gain of the week. The stock was up nearly 8% to start the week at $3.66 TT. And on the losing side, Unilever... Caribbean fell 7% to open Monday at $10.64. TT. Over in the U.S., the Dow Jones gained half a percent last week. The S&P 500 gained 1%, while the Nasdaq was up 2%. Motorists got a win at the pumps last week. The cost of 87 gas dipped $1.30, while 90 lost $1.27. While the price of regular diesel fell $0.14 and low sulfur diesel fell $0.33. In foreign exchange, it took an average $156.90 Jamaican to purchase one US dollar last Friday. That's $0.28 less than the week before. Meanwhile, it took an average $113.73 Jamaican to purchase one Canadian dollar. One British pound cost, on average, $191.93 Jamaican. And you could buy one euro for $170.79 Jamaican on average. Finally, on the crypto markets, Bitcoin prices were up 3% over the past five days, trading at $36,911 US on Monday. While Ethereum was up almost 8%, trading at $2,038 US on Monday this segment of taking stock the analysts is brought to you by jmmb group your best interest at heart disclaimer this is not intended as financial advice please consult a licensed financial advisor before making investment
4: decisions
2: yeah milk cloves
5: Okay, good night, viewers. Um, uh, good night, David. Good night, Khalila and team. Uh, Kirsten, thanks for having me. Thanks for having uh, GMMB, uh as, our, as our sponsor and also present on your program. We really appreciate it and we give value uh, to our clients as well as to your viewers. Okay, now today I'd like to speak on you know, there's opportunities in the market space, in the equity market in particular. And uh, that presentation by Kalila spoke much about entrepreneurship, investments, and taking a little bit of risk. Uh, Well, the markets are a little bit risky now in the sense that interest rate is high and therefore prices of securities have fallen. Uh, Shorter-term instruments now, newly issued instruments, are doing well because they're paying the higher interest rate. Those older instruments that were structured in the lower interest rate regime, those prices have fallen off, especially if they were fixed because they're paying a lower coupon than presently, most recently issued instruments. So all asset prices have fallen off, but there's still opportunities in the marketplace. Uh, Particularly, just recently, a new company was listed by invitation, A.S. Bryden Holdings Limited. It's a company incorporated in Trinidad. Uh, Most of its business is based, that is its revenue generating, is um, generated from, uh, earnings come from Trinidad, the Trinidadian market. It also has a presence in Guyana, as well as Barbados. <clears throat> uh, now, what is Ace Brighton? It has several subsidiaries. It's largely a company that retails and markets various brands, uh, international brands, as well as own uh, uh, own brands, right? It is largely in the food business, uh, motor vehicle. Um, it is also in transportation and broadly, and it also uh, retails and sells machinery, lubricants and other type of equipment of that sort right so it has tremendous opportunity it was recently listed in Jamaica on the Jamaican Stock Exchange at a price of $22.50 Jamaican some of the basic metrics of this company well let me do a quick thing um, it is it distributes food pharmaceutical hardware household and industrial equipment through several of its subsidiaries. at about three or four main subsidiary companies that it does this business through uh, it has um, ownership stake in several other entities <clears throat> Its presence is largely in Trinidad Where it earns about 95% of its revenue And also Guyana and Barbados uh, It is, has listed in Jamaica Because there's a tremendous opportunity For that company in Jamaica here Now when it came public It came public at a price of In Jamaica uh, just last Friday At a price of $22.50 uh, By the close of trading It had gained over 31% in value uh, that is the value that the market has placed on. For two reasons, the company intrinsically has good value. That is, when you look at the financial statement and do your analysis, when you look at the potential projected growth in revenue, you'd have, you know, kind of value the company going forward. Uh, the market thought that it had value and they were willing to pay more than the $22.50 it was listed at so it traded as high as $29 plus over 31% above it has more or less maintained that price that well it has fallen off just a little bit yesterday Monday to about 29 28.99 and it has maintained that price today but we expected that to happen when it came public it came public at an earnings per share of two dollars and 23 cents that is tremendously good right? when compared to the general Jamaican market. It came public at a, pr- at a price, P.E., P.E., price over earnings per share, P.E. ratio of 10.2 times. What does that mean? P, you're paying 10.2 times or $10.20 for every $1 profit. You're paying $10.20 for each share. For every one dollar profit generated by that same share okay so a pe of 10.4 when the average market on the jamaican stock exchange in the main market the average pe was 11.14 times so it was cheaper than the average stock on the jamaican market right um and there are other metrics the targeted price a target price based on our one analyst was almost 27 dollars. the market has put further premium on that right now it has traded that 29 it may fall off a little bit but nonetheless, I do not expect it to fall back to the $22.50 that it was listed at because the market sees value in it uh, for the prospective growth as well as for the relative scarcity of the stock because they didn't issue shares they simply listed it. And existing shareholders who already had it, they were the ones who placed some on the market to sell. So those transactions generated you know, at an increased price on the stock. What is this, the company? It now the significant owner in Ace Bryden, it's a conglomerate. significant owner in Ace Bryden is separate. Uh, it is also related to the Muslim group, which is a broad, significant, large, multi-billion dollar uh, conglomerate that operates through the Caribbean, Latin America, North America, and and it has um, presence in Europe. Okay, that's a Muslim group. So it is part of that group. It is largely owned by separate. There's a great amount of synergy that Ace Bryden expects to get from being listed on the Jamaican market. Uh, the first synergy is one, the relationship with SEPROD, and the, the sharing of technology and know-how, the you know the leadership that SEPROD will bring in terms of its manufacturing expertise, and to explore additional opportunities in Jamaica. That's one of the reasons it comes to Jamaica, right? And um, again, as I said, SEPROD is, a, I think, a 54% ownership in Ace Bread, a majority ownership. Right? Now, <clears throat> um, also, being in Jamaica, they expect to gain further uh drive revenue to gain establish further business and presence in guyana where now it earns about three percent of its revenue with the exploration, with the discovery of hydrocarbon in guyana as well as Suriname, then they hope to take advantage of that and again being listed that partnership with separate and other entities the ability you know that could generate further you know give it kind of that push to, to 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 explore that market its corporate strategy is on um, the expansion of opportunities by building newer markets and for efficiency and improvement of operations, right? Increase the market share and um, investing in technology and to boost their competitive advantage. Their dividend policy they intend to um, allocate or distribute approximately 40% of the company's net profit. Of course, um, that's their dividend policy, but it is still subject to uh various other things that may happen the market is fluctuating uh you know and so they have to make decision in the interest of the long term sustainability of the company but all being well they will distribute 40 percent of uh, net profit to existing shareholders some of the other benefits that they hope to get by listing on the jamaican market is exposure to a wider shareholder base eh? That augurs well for any company. Uh, the potential for expanded market share for revenue growth. That is in the Jamaican market space where, as I've said before, the majority of their revenue presently is earned in Trinidad. A small fraction in Guyana and Barbados. Not much. So Jamaica is a potential marketplace. And I think, again, having separate as a significant uh, parent company um, and the technology the expertise and knowledge of the domestic market, the access to capital, that should help them tremendously in exploring and you know, growing its value throughout the Caribbean. Also, there's a building of synergy with the domestic capital market in order to raise capital. And that is one of the primary reasons many companies become public. Right? So all in all, it's competitive who what companies on the local stock exchange are closer in terms of the the, the, the business lines. Well, there's Massey, which. Of course, is primarily domiciled in Trinidad, but it's cross-listed across the three major markets um, in the region. Uh, there's also separate, separate company to a lesser extent. There's a GK. Further, lesser extent, there are some other uh, companies that are into the retail, processing, distributorship, uh, merchandising uh, business. Um, so, but large outs a Massey and perhaps separate and maybe Grace. Uh, are, 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 are are like entities. Right? So um, those are comparative, good comparison in terms of where do you allocate and how do you allocate your investable funds. Right? Uh, it also has intention. It is a private entity just listed on the Jamaican, well, previously a private entity, just listed on the Jamaican Stock Exchange, so it's now a public traded entity. It also hopes or wishes or say they have intention of listing on the Trinidad Stock Exchange. That presents a brand new opportunity. Uh, The opportunity, we we have spoken about that before, (coughs) that being listed on the Jamaican Stock Exchange and the Trinidad market, sometimes the Bayesian market, also uh, presents new opportunities. You can now move shares, same shares, from one jurisdiction into the next jurisdiction to sell. For example, you want Trinidadian dollars? You want to buy some Trinidadian stock? You can buy the stock here in Jamaica, Ace Bride, now any other cross-listed securities, move the shares to Trinidad on the Trinidad Stock Exchange, and sell them there. Then you can buy Trinidad stock. That's one. Two, uh, if you want to take advantage of price disparities for various reasons, the same company, same security may trade at different prices in the both markets. Uh, anything can cause that. Monetary policy, fiscal policies, um, liquidity in both markets, the structure of both markets can cause this price disparity. Quite a few times, like now, quite a few of the cross-listed securities are trading at a premium in Trinidad. So you can buy them in Jamaica, send them where prices are fairly stable or perhaps declining, buy them in Jamaica, send them to Trinidad and sell them at a premium and get your gain. Of course, there's always some consideration, which is currency exchange rate. Can you convert from TT dollars back into Jamaican or via U.S. back into Jamaican? That is always will be another consideration. Of course, to move shares from one market to the next, there's a minimum JC 40 US dollar fee. So you would want to know that the volume you are purchasing is sufficient to cover the per unit cost of moving those shares. That is that 40 US dollar minimum fee that the JC charges you. You'd want to spread it among across a larger volume to make it feasible. If you buy 40 U.S. dollar, and you buy 40 units of stock, you have a fee of, well, that is $1 per stock unit, U.S. dollar, to move it. If you buy 2,000, you have minimized that cost. But that is the opportunity presented for cross listed Securities. So let me quickly run into this and say AS Bryden and Sons Holding Limited. It trades as ASB h in jamaica it is listed on the jamaica stock exchange you go on to money line you will see the ticker code you can purchase that stock or the analysis speak with the broker Ask them: Is it recommended to buy now? Do I hold? Do I wait? How much do I buy? At what? When is my entry point? You know, but that stock is now available, and um, it seemed to be a solid company, a strong company that has good potential for growth, right? And there's tremendous opportunities for the company as well as for the investor base. That again gives us another opportunity: somewhere to put our fund, somewhere to generate wealth, and somewhere to, um, you know, f- to generate even cash flow in terms of dividend payment and that is it for me thank you very much the market still presents opportunity look out for opportunity keep watching this program speak to your broker and take care thank you over to you sir david over to you david
2: hopefully flow doesn't get active again (laughs) (laughs)
1: yes
2: all right uh so i guess it's my time and a couple corrections clive uh so massey is only selling the jsc and ttse okay and you know for me if i was considering to move shares in trinidad to make some money i'd do it probably to go to carnival you know make some money in jamaica uh transfer the shares on trinidad you know so i have some ttd to spend on there. You know, it's money it makes yes, monetary make sure. sense <laughs> uh um, but you know, let's get into the meat of the matter. You know, and in this case, it being uh, NCB Financial Group. So we saw on Friday disclosure that you know come this Friday, November 17, that NCB Financial Group is intending to consider a dividend payment, you know, to shareholders. And it's been the first dividend payment since May 2021. If this dividend actually does go through, you know, this is a very symbolic dividend, you know just before the company considers a APO, you know, bringing that to market. And it's pretty interesting to see, you know, what will come about in the coming days, you know, regarding that dividend. But on the flip side, you know, also to consider is the fact that uh, there's another disclosure that came out yesterday that highlighted that. Uh, Patrick Hilton and Dennis Cohen, you know, have resigned as directors and officers of NCB Financial Group and their subsidiaries. And you know, their separation package alone is you know material to NCB Financial Group's you know, fourth quarter performance. And for context, people, NC Financial Group has a $2 trillion asset base on their balance sheet. They made $7.39 billion consolidated profit. Our uh, last quarter should have been june thirty five point four eight million dollars $5.48 dollars in attributable to shareholders so by mat- the material impact you're talking about a couple billion dollars as well so let us see you know what does come about with that and i'm guessing you know i'm not going to necessarily see a dollar dividend probably lucky if we get the fifty cent dividend which would have been the last payment that we saw back in may twenty twenty one but Let's see what you know. leaching has in mind uh, for shareholders ahead of Christmas. And then the other item on hand, which we are discussing tonight, is Payment Investments Limited. And in this case, being its subsidiary, VM Wealth Limited. So VMIL, which is a listed company, owns VM Wealth Limited, which is its subsidiary. And in their most recent early report, they're highlighting that VM um, Financial Group will be, you know, issued non-redeemable, non-cumulative preference shares in VM Wealth, you know, and VM will to receive 1.5 billion dollars in fresh capital, you know, to further bolster its capital adequacy. So, what does that mean? So, just like banks, financial institutions such as brokers, for example, or as they would be termed, securities dealers are required to actually follow through with having certain ratios in place. So in the case of securities dealers and banks, it's the minimum requirement from a regulatory standpoint is 10%. So in the case of VM Wealth, they say that this increase should actually push it from 18% to 24%, which is almost two times the actual minimum regulatory requirement. And this you know, injection to VM Wealth you know, is At a time when you know you're seeing reduced fee income for you know VM wealth and intern VMIL. You're seeing high interest expense, so the margins are smaller there. You're seeing you know relatively higher costs, albeit you know, some level of containment in other areas. So this new run of in this capital injection into VM wealth, you know, that's unexpected and it's a good thing because. We've seen with NCB Financial Group, with NCBJ, JMB Group with JMB Bank, uh, Scotia Bank Jamaica with Scotia Life, a JN Financial Group with different financial subsidiaries that we've just seen continuous, you know, capital injections into different financial subsidiaries where you know financial companies as you know with different companies incur fair value losses, which you know impacts you know their capital ratios and so forth, and you know. So for VMIL, whereas the quarter, you know, was relatively stable. And you know, they saw an increase in profitability, which should have been assisted by the in Kingston Properties Limited for the overall, you know, nine months. It was you net know, profit was down 44%, you know. And a big part of that, you know, was just the cutting interest income and fees on commission income as well. But the reality is the party must go on. And we're like to see, you know, or hear different developments in the financial sector as time goes on. One last thing to note, uh, so with respect to preference shares, to oversimplify, they're similar to you know, like regulated instruments, just rank barely up, just above ordinary shareholders, and you know, there's a waste of money off them. And one simple way you know is to actually buy it at a discounted price relative to its maturity price so for example, last quarter preference dollar seventy four and you know maturity price is two dollars and this preference share gives nine point nine percent dividend uh, rate for the year or interest rate I should say so this you know it's just given a simple overview of you know what persons can maintain some money of preference shares and get you know what you call a higher more stable return in this environment where we have seen reduced market activity and the stock market and other areas. Uh to you there, you know on the recent developments and I look forward to seeing you guys in another two weeks. Uh, go through those question reports and I'll see you around.
4: This segment of Taking Stock the Analyst was brought to you by JMMB
0: Group, your best interest at heart. And she's now established herself
2: Jamaican Oprah.
1: You get a t-shirt! You get a t-shirt! You get a t-shirt! Everybody gets a
4: t-shirt! My name is Nicholas Samuels. I joined the Money Mission. I'm here at the Money Mission event tonight, which was absolutely awesome. They whole idea of joining Money Mission in the first place is to come and be a part of a like-minded community of everybody that wants to get some wealth, wants to do better financially, as well as to be in the one central place that has a lot of information about finances, right? One of the things that a lot of persons I know that don't benefit from is persons that are teaching financial education as well as teaching how it is that you can make wealth and generate income from multiple sources as well. Typically, that's not something that you will find unless you go out and seek it. And what Kalila has done in creating a money mission community is absolutely awesome.
3: My name is Anita Bailey. The reason I joined the money mission is because during a very hard time in my life last year, I just completed my master's. I had quite a number of debt from that master's program and Kalila came to my organization. We had a session where she introduced us to how to budget, how to manage our money, and also how to invest. And through the tools that she gave us on that day, the tools and the templates that she provided me, I was able to set up my budget, um, organize my life, on my income streams, what my credit card debts are like, and how to manage that, and I was able to get out of debt by March the following year. So I took approximately five months. And this was something I was struggling with for maybe about a year and with Kalila's help through the money mission i was able to get through that and i would advise anyone if you're starting a business you're looking to invest if you're having challenges with your money you're not quite sure how to manage your money um as you're starting into the working world Kalila and the money mission is where you want to be you want to sign up with our program because it is absolutely amazing (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Money!